have your sports curiosity cured. Up the wall, McCarr will forecheck, but Palat calmly comes out. Here comes Heesher with Brad. Chance for the Devils. Brad scores! A veteran of the sports reporting game for over 25 years. Hughes with the blue line. Down to Besser. Back for Hughes. Chris one tipped in. Lindholm again. How about this debut? His second power play goal of the game. And the Canucks have their first lead. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Ivan Barbashev on the puck for Vegas. They'll gain the line. That looks close to offside. It's turned over to The result, easy to predict, even by Vegas standards. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. Here we go for Saul 108, February 8th. Oh, boy. Minus 5 coming into work today. Uh, Looking for a high of minus 2. Weather continues to be just flat-out super as we head into the week. Even looking at a plus 2 or 3 for Super Bowl Sunday around here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Kevin Carey Show on Sportsnet 1440 as you're driving into work on your AM radio dial or streaming on iHeartRadio, the old tune-in app, and, uh, of course, on sports1440.com. CA And, of course, if you miss any part of the show, you can catch up by searching the uh, Kevin Carey Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or even Amazon. And be sure to subscribe and select that auto-download so you never miss a second of the show. Uh, Again, good morning. Thanks for checking in. Uh, It feels weird that the Oilers have a couple days off after just playing one game, but they are practicing today at the old Acrisure Arena. They had a day off yesterday for a bit of a a golf get-together in the Palm Springs, Palm Desert area, but they're practicing this afternoon at the Acrisure Arena. That's the home of the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Of course, Grant Fuhrer, we talk to Grant every Tuesday, and he is the color commentator for the Firebirds, and it's just a beautiful, just a beautiful facility, to be honest with you. If you ever have a chance to look at it, please do. There are, um, when you look at what's going on in Phoenix, it's almost like, boy, the Coyotes could have just moved over here for a little while longer, a little, maybe a year or two or something, instead of playing in the Moulet Arena, which seats 4,800. This thing seats like 10, 11,000. So it could have been an opportunity, maybe an option. Of course, I'm trying to be facetious here because it would never happen with what's happening in Arizona. But Oilers getting ready for the Anaheim Ducks tomorrow and then Saturday in Vegas, it was such a long time between losses. The orders went from December 19th to February 6th. 49 days, the loss on uh, the island against New York and then against Vegas to be just one victory shy of 17 straight set by the Pittsburgh Penguins way back in 92-93. And you even heard Matthias Ekholm. We had comments from him yesterday on the big program following the loss in Vegas saying that, you know, I'm almost relieved. I'm kind of glad it's over. Oilers with 59 points. Vegas has 66 with five games in hand. The Oilers have on the Golden Knights. And you know what's crazy? The Oilers, 
in the last 10, that's just when you're looking at the last 10 games, obviously they are 9-1. and one. Vancouver, over that same span, 8-0-2. Oh, so that's how well the Canucks have been playing. Same amount of points, 8-0-2. Oh, 9-1 for the Oilers and the Canucks with a massive game. A lot of eyeballs will be on that one tonight. Vancouver in Boston. Uh, Vegas, by the way, is in Arizona tonight. Last night in the NHL... Tampa Bay beat the New York or Tampa Bay lost to the New York Rangers 3-1 but the big storyline coming out of that game was Mikhail Sergachev just returned to action for Tampa Bay and got tangled up in the corner with Rangers forward Alexi Lafreniere and it was the first game back for Sergachev after suffering an injury and wouldn't you know it uh, he goes down again, and it wasn't uh, pleasant on the eyes to see his left leg kind of buckle. And uh, this morning, or maybe last night, Sergachev sent out a, a post on social media which reads, Oh man, why me? Why now? After all the games missed, coming back and getting injured again. It feels unfair. feels terrible. Trying to stay calm and positive, but it is impossible. After doing everything right, I get this. The universe is unpredictable, I guess, and has its own plans. But screw the universe plan, paraphrasing. I know I'll come back stronger. I know I'll play better than before. It's tough right now. It's going to be tough tomorrow. We all fight our own battles, and this is mine. I'll win. Always do. Pain meds are good, though. If I was in a forest by myself, I'd be dead. Crazy, isn't it? I wanted to write how I feel here. Don't know why, but just wanted to let people that care about me know I appreciate all your messages. Thanks to the medical staff. That's uh, Mikhail Sergachev last night with a post on social media on uh, Instagram after uh, he was carted off the ice uh, in the Rangers uh, uh, game against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay lost again 3-1. Also last night, uh, Dallas and Toronto, the Leafs with a big win, 5-4. Michael Nylander with a couple of snipes. And uh, Minnesota and Chicago, 2-1, the Wild over the Hawks. There was a Titanic tilt in this one. Jared Tenorti and Marcus Foligno went at it for, oh, a good minute or so. And Felino even kind of called off the linesman saying, yeah, we're not done yet. And it was a, it was one of the better tilts you'll see. Again, guys just hammering each other's helmets, though, man. Got to be some sore paws in that one uh, this morning. And actually, I think uh, Tenorti had to get some sort of repairs on his ear because that's where a lot of the punches were landing from Felino. And then Felino ends up scoring the game winner. Wow. Uh one 401 is our text line. Shoot us off a text. Let's uh, welcome in the Duke of Delburn this morning. Duke, uh, did you have a good evening? What did you get up to last night? Last night, Kevin, I uh, took in the two 5 o'clock start games, the yeah. uh, Leafs and the Stars and the Lightning and the Rangers. Of course, so you mentioned that scary, uh, scary yeah. incident with Sergachev. That was pretty tough to watch and uh, lots of... You know, bated breath as they stretched him off the ice. But other, like if you if you kind of remove that, a pair of really good hockey games yeah. between four pretty decent teams. The Leafs showed a lot of fortitude in that game because they were leading, and then Dallas scored to tie it up, and they come back mm-hmm. down and then uh, score a pair within 20 seconds, pretty much in the immediate aftermath. To, uh, yeah. The the Stars made it uh, a one goal game late, but if it, it was a very exciting game, the Stars on a back to back backup goalie in, but 
yeah. all, all, all things considered. Yeah, Wedgwood a, played, a big, he played, he played well. great. He yeah. played very well. Yeah. yeah, not a knock on him. But yeah, that was a big win for the Leafs, I think, um, after they kind of got called out by their coach um, earlier this week uh, by Sheldon Keefe. And we talked a little bit about yeah, that yesterday, yesterday with Laddie saying, you know, as a head coach, you can only do that so many times before it starts to wear thin on the players. And Sheldon Keefe, uh, there feel. was a lot of speculation around his job uh, security last year with uh, when Brad Tree Living came yeah. in. Have to think as we uh, approach the home stretch here in Tree Living's first deadline as general manager of the Maple Leafs, like this isn't a team that's like uh, uh, in a lock for a playoff spot. You've been saying it for quite a while, Kevin. You think there's a very strong possibility they well, miss? They could. I, I I think they're probably probably will, but they're not a lock like many other teams. And you could feel just even yesterday when you're when you talk to a guy like Laddie and he has a real good feeling, a good presence of what would be happening in the dressing room when players talk amongst themselves about the temperature rising on a guy like Sheldon Keefe. I mean, it happened here. It happened here with Jay Woodcroft. It happened, it's happened all over. Todd McClellan, they go in a bit of a funk. He gets canned. You know, it happens at, in St. Louis. It's happened many places uh, this year. one 1440 is the text line. Shoot us off a text. I had a question because I just wanted to run down the, the scores from last night's Boston Pizza Cup in Hinton. Mm. Just because uh, we had Kevin Cooey on yesterday, and Cooey uh, beat Libis by a score of eight to three. It was uh, Vabrick over Perrant, eight four. Um, Sturme got by Jenkins, ten four, and Slachinski over Dunbar, eight one. So that was in the six thirty draw. Draw three goes today at nine in the morning. So you're a big curling guy, and we we have a lot of listeners that are big curling fans. Are you? Do you watch as much? provincial curling or even curling on tv are you following uh, a, an event like this which is you know goes back years and years with the tankard with you know so many great alberta competitions even in the last few years and you heard kevin cooey talk about it yesterday with you know while brendan botcher already has a wild card spot into the briar next month in regina you don't have, like, I mean, look at the Alberta. It was so tough to get out of Alberta years ago. Like when you had Randy Furby and you, and then Kevin Martin was going in the in the playdowns and then pulled out when there was, um, there was a time in curling where, you know, they were trying to get the world tour going and trying to get, uh, you know, the, the slam events and trying to get everything else going. And so Kevin Martin pulled back from provincial and, you know, Canadian competitions. And Randy Furby ruled the roost for, you know, seven, eight years. And then that torch was kind of passed off. But like for you, Duke, you're you you're a big curling guy. Do you do you have as much of a vested interest in an event like the Boston Pizza Cup right now as you would have, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago? Yeah, I don't. It, the the big name value, of course, isn't quite the same anymore. And you, you mentioned Botcher, who's the you know mm-hmm. w- the most recent uh, powerhouse to come out of the Alberta uh, province. He, he's not even there because, like you said, he he already knows he's going to be in the Briar yeah, thanks to the, 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 the new formatting. So, I'll be honest, the the playdowns don't really get me too excited, especially but anymore. But they used those, to. They used to because, like I said, there's a good chance. Two or two of these three teams are going to be in the finals every year, and it was like almost a foregone conclusion that whoever won Alberta was going to be the favorite going into the Briar right after they just duke it out there. With the with the 
vast, uh, or I don't know, vast, but uh, you, you can watch almost every tour event on TV now. Um, the Sportsnet broadcast, mm-hmm. the majority of them, I think TSN, of course, still does the Briar and the Worlds and stuff. But like you, you can watch the best teams all year. You don't get as much of a look at like these amateur ones. And yeah, no. it's out in Hinton. If it was here in the city and they were doing it to, at one, like down at the Savile or something, would I pop in for, for one of the draws over this weekend? Might, yeah. I, I think I probably would. But it, I, I don't know. I think the chance that you can watch the uh, the best in the world on almost a week in weekend uh, week out basis uh, on your TV now. I think that kind of takes away from some of the smaller yeah. scale stuff. Um, I'm obviously still excited to see who does emerge as the Alberta entry uh, for the Briar because the Briar is is must watch TV just like the Scotties and just like the respective men's and women's world championships. Because like Kevin said yesterday, it's not, it's not a lock Canada wins at the Worlds anymore. Oh right? no, there, not there, even there, close. There's there's a, there's a great field like, of teams. A lot of them. Play Playing like, on that aforementioned as, pro tour, as Ku said yesterday, you know, like you know, Joel Retornes, it's the number one team in, yeah. in the world yeah. from Italy, yeah, not yeah, from they, not from Sweden or you know, like the great teams yeah, out of Denmark, yeah, like Mur- Murdoch and oh, Eden, of course, yes. uh, powerhouse teams for a long time. But it's uh, it's the Italians now that are kind of uh, really pushing onto the scene and making a, a great case for them as the best nation right now in the world of curling. Yeah, so and you can I, you get the feeling, and that's just the the way it is. What and I remember even like. 12 years ago, the Northern Alberta Playdowns were a massive event because to get out of Northern Alberta was just so difficult. And this isn't an indictment to the the quality of curling right now. It's just a lot different. Coming up on the big program today, we will uh, we're going to start with a little basketball because it's an NBA trade deadline today. So we've got Steve Ashburner from uh, NBA.com. We'll guess with us uh, right after the break. How about this? Uh, made a couple of texts, a couple of calls yesterday. We're going to have Danny Saul on at eight o'clock. He's the caddy for Canadian Corey Connors. Danny Saul out of Sherwood Park uh, played on the Canadian Tour, and you know he's caddied for VJ Singh, caddied for Mike Weir, but now he's been on the bag looping for Corey Connors and they tee off Corey Connors tees off today at 1255 at the waste management open so Danny says yeah let's do eight o'clock in the morning and you know I've known Danny for a long time we go way back and I was like all right let's do her so uh, hopefully let's just hope that he's up at eight o'clock in the morning if you know Danny. Yeah, yeah. you know, we, we all know how uh, the fans like to act at the, yes. uh, the Phoenix. I think it's called the Phoenix Open now, the Waste <laughs> Management Phoenix Open, whatever. But it's the Waste Management waste Open. Management That's what we know yeah. it as. Yeah. Um, but I think the uh, the players and their uh, their caddies and stuff, they like to indulge in mm-hmm. the, the local well, scene as well. Danny's, a little bit. I think years past, I think he's, you know, he's getting up and he's getting up there. <laughs> it's, t- it's hard to loop around, you know, 18 holes carrying that bag for the way it is now but especially uh, with the weather like it is it's, right and now. it's really poor weather we'll see if they get things going it was hailing and raining and sleeting yesterday some wild shots from uh, hole 16 frank saravalli from the daily Faceoff will be our headliner of the day at 8 20 david schlemko used to be yesterday's uh used to be yesterday's co-host today he's flip-flopping with laddie schmidt so david schlemko will be with us uh, for cougar Payton collision at nine o'clock that means mark specter will be with us at nine sent me some pictures last night at about quarter to 12 from I'll, I'll show you the pictures you'll, you'll see them and I'll go well looks like Speck had a nice interesting day on his travels to Bakersfield Bill Lindsay from the Florida Panthers uh, analyst will be with us at 920 we'll have uh, Brendan Jansen Nate Women's 
hockey coach for the Ooks at 10-20. When we come back, it will be Steve Ashburner from NBA.com as the trade deadline is, well, what is it? It's at 3 o'clock Eastern today. A few hours away, yeah. Now, 1 o'clock our time, so... Uh, I'm sure it's a lot of teams are going right down to the wire. So Steve will be with us right after uh, the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, classic song by the Duke. Uh, time now to uh, elevate our game, NBA style. Uh, let's elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts, Forbes Best Rated Residential Elevators, manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit TrustRam.com for more information as we welcome in Steve Ashburner. Once again to the program from NBA.com. Steve, uh, on a busy day, thanks uh, for taking some time to hop on once again on Sports 1440. Uh, sure. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Do Do you think it's going to be a really busy day, or did we see a lot of the movement already, Steve? Well, that's a good point. I mean, um, that there was sort of a uh, uh, eagerness uh, with which uh, some of the teams embraced uh, this trade period, and yeah, we did see some some you know big movement. Um, you know, the Pascal Siaka move uh, from the Raptors and uh, Terry Rozier down to Miami, things like that. So, yeah, I think I think that if people just look at today, they might think, well, that wasn't all that much. But when you add it all together, that's a fair, it'll be a fair amount of movement, I think. I think today will be relatively busy. It might not be marquee names, almost assuredly won't be, but I think there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, tweaking around the edges of rosters. And I think some of the sellers – you know, need to clean up their their financial reports mm-hmm. and um, you know and have things set for summer rather than lose players to uh, unrestricted free agency. I think that that's a prime motivator in these sort of deals. Uh, now that you mentioned it, Steve, how do you think the Raptors did with their two big trades, uh, OG and Pascal uh, Siakam, uh, earlier? You know, last month and things like that. Well, I like both those players that are gone. I, you know, Ananobi is a, um, to me, a, an annual, um, a perennial, frankly, uh, all NBA or all defensive player, rather. And, um, you know, I think he's fit in very nicely uh, with New York. Um, Siakam seemed like it was just sort of a time for a move. Um, they needed to change things up the way they uh, envisioned their roster in Toronto. Going forward, it seemed like he was going to become, you know, just too expensive and and expendable. So that was a move that made sense. I do like I do like uh, R.J. Barrett and uh, Emmanuel quickly in terms of what they got in return. So I mean that part of it, the Ananobi trade, seemed to be a positive for both those teams. And I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of talk that um, you know Bruce Brown will be you know sent elsewhere, and and who knows? I'm not sure what the um, size you know, long-term uh, vision for that team is, but um, so far so good. So do you like the, the, the route, uh, the direction that the Raptors are taking here moving forward, uh, Steve? Well, to me, it's a little bit hard to figure out. I mean, you know, I'm, they assembled a whole bunch of interchangeable six foot nine guys, and that was going to be the future. Mm-hmm. And um, then that didn't quite, you know, pan out. And so now they've made these sort of moves. And and so I'm more in a wait and see mode on on them. I, I don't really I don't know what to project for them in the uh, uh, you know in the Eastern Conference. I mean Fred VanVleet being gone, being a helpful piece with the Houston Rockets as they sort of order their operation, um, you know, from point guard out to uh, to the younger uh, 
pieces around him. You know, so no, I, I, I can't, I can't make any sort of proclamation. I give them an incomplete at this point. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's hard to to make a gauge on things again with all the draft picks and things moving forward. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Steve, what did you make of the trade uh, yesterday between the Celtics and the Grizzlies? Well, Xavier Tillman is a. I think he's a really helpful rotation player. I think he gives them a little bulk up front. You know, he's a strong player. Um, they need more than to run Al Horford at his at his age into the into the hardwood now. And I, I just think that that's um, that's a big help for Boston. It gives them a facet that they needed. So you know, when when you're as good as as the Celtics are, to be able to you know fine tune like that uh, positionally, I mean, it's just going to make them more formidable. Mm-hmm. With Philadelphia injury problems uh, just recently arising, do you see them making a, a little more of a splash, trying to get a couple more depth players here moving uh, today? I think Philadelphia could be as active as any team okay. today. Um, they have they have identified you know various needs. Um, you know, they need shooting. They obviously have to account for... Uh, the center position uh, while Joel Embiid is out for however, however long that is. And, I mean, so that has them, I think, shopping for anything from a direct replacement, not nearly as good, but, I mean, if they were to, to, to pry Andre Drummond loose from Chicago, for instance, um, you know, that's a guy who could, you know, sort of fill Embiid's shoes, um, you know, at least on the boards and, and uh, you know, cleaning up around the basket. Uh, he's not Joel Embiid in terms of an offense initiator or uh, somebody that other teams game plan for. But, I mean, they need, you know, so they need pieces up and down. I mean, this has been a tough um, go of it for the Sixers with, with injuries. And, you know, they had so much early success and, and the – the unloading of James Harden seemed to work wonders for them, but now they're sort of in the thick of the, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference race. And if they slide out of one of those top four spots, you know, and they finish, you know, fifth or lower, that's going to be considered a disappointment and a tough way for them to uh, to advance in the postseason. NBA.com's Steve Ashburner, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, with your um, closeness to the Chicago Bulls, do you see the Bulls uh, being quite active today? And you, you mentioned a player just now. You know, I, I, the Bulls are funky. They're very passive-aggressive. And um, they they should be sellers in uh, you know in today's market. That's That's pretty clear. But... With Drummond, okay, maybe they'll make a move, but they might have fallen in love with him, um, you know, a couple nights ago when he had a big game against Minnesota. They put him out there sort of for nostalgia and for showcasing, and then he had a big game, and, you know, they they tend to um, stick with the status quo a lot with this Bulls team. Alex Caruso, for instance, is a guy who would be a godsend to, you know, several contending teams, but the Bulls are in love with the guy. They they like him in the community. They like him around the locker room. I mean, he's 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 a he's an asset. There's no doubt about it. But as far as where they're going or not going in the standings, um, he's kind of a luxury. And and yet they're they're looking for two first round picks for Alex Caruso. Good luck with that. Um, and then you know Zach Levine, the guy that should be traded because uh, his limited production and uh, his massive contract. Well, now he's hurt. So, you know, that chills any market for him. I don't think he is a way forward for the Chicago Bulls, but 
they seem to be, you know, uh, stuck with him after committing, you know, uh, a huge amount of money to him. So, um, yeah, they're a funky team. I mean, it, it, they seem almost like they'd be satisfied with a play-in spot. And really, I mean, as the number third market in, in you know, the U.S., um, you know, with the tradition they have with Jordan and company, um, they should be aiming a lot higher than that. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com, is our guest on Sports 1440. <laughs> Steve, when you look at the Western Conference standings and how tight they are up top, how much of a bearing does that, you know, it's just like it's just savage, it's cutthroat. How much of a bearing does that have on what teams might be making a move here in the next few hours? Well, you know, it could, but, but really um, I look at the top four teams right now and I'm not so sure how much they need. Um, I think Oklahoma City could benefit from um, more size. I, I just don't think that Chet Holmgren at center is, is big enough. He's a, he's, a, he's a four. He's not a five. And, and so they could really use a big body. I mean, you plug in Andre Drummond or Jonas Valanciunas, you know, somebody like that in Oklahoma City, and that's a big boost, but they got to get it done. Now, they've got tons of, you know, draft capital to be able to, to move if – their GM, who loves that sort of stuff, um, is willing to part with something. So, yeah, I would think Oklahoma City would, would be able to fine-tune itself. Minnesota just made its move for a backup point guard with Monty Morris. And so I think that that's the, that's the Wolves' primary um, adjustment heading down the stretch of this season, and that might be enough for them. They, they have to grow up from within, I think. Minnesota has just got a sort of an immaturity. Denver seems like they could stand pat. They don't seem too worried about anything outside themselves and frankly the Clippers um, I don't think that they're in any desperation to make a move so there are some big teams in the West that you know we're, we're hearing about on the trade front but not those top four right now yeah. is there a team like just below the Clippers like either you know Phoenix maybe Sacramento that might say you know what we can maybe push to get to where that upper echelon is to, to decide to make something happen here well, sure. I mean, Phoenix, you know, to me, they, they just need depth. They're, they're, they're not a very impressive team once you get past, you know, their starting five. Um, they, they need a better bench. And um, Sacramento, I, I think they're, they're, they're more in a, um internal funk kind of a thing. I, I think they, too, have a lot of talent. The teams in the, in the West that I think are, you know, going to be most in play are um, Dallas and, and the Lakers and potentially Golden State, although it seems like Golden State is, you know, in love sufficiently with its young guys now that Chris Paul and Andrew Wiggins are the ones who, you know, might be on the move there. So, um, you know, the Lakers love to make a splash. LeBron always wants more help. Um, never seems, you know, willing to uh, dance with the one, ones <laughs> that brung them. And, uh, and then Dallas is another team, in my opinion, that needs to, uh, to get bigger. Steve Ashburner, NBA.com. Uh, your, one of your recent articles just with the, the, the rising stars and the draft and everything like that. Uh, what did you make of kind of what went down there? Just for the All-Star well, game. Well, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I write, the, uh, I write our uh, weekly rookie ranking. Mm-hmm. So based on that, um, I kind of favor Team Pau Gasol, the, uh, the Hall of Famer who, uh, who is going to serve as one of the coaches of the rising stars. Uh, mini tournament. Um, he drafted four of the f- top five rookies, in my opinion, this season. So they have all those guys, plus a couple more, like Koulibaly from Washington and uh, Kaysen Wallace from OKC. I mean, that's a that's a 
a loaded team as far as mm-hmm. class of 2023 that could, um, you know, be a, a real, you know, part of this league for a long, long time. So, you know, that's interesting. I, I you know, uh, I like the game better when it was rookies against sophomores rather than this uh, conglomerate of, of four squads, one of them from the G League. I mean, it's all showcase for the league and its affiliates. Um, but uh, I mostly want to see one extra opportunity for Chet Holmgren to go against Victor Wimbanyama. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have four of them by the, the regular season by the time it ends. And then if we have a fifth on, on Rising Stars night, then that would be fun. Um, and, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Pau Gasol's team won last year. And so, you know, maybe he can start Rising Stars tradition <laughs> with a, uh, a dynasty uh, with a second straight uh, title. But, um yeah, it's it's fun exhibition. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just had the NHL All Star Game, so we, you know everyone knows right. what it's all about, right? It, you know, it's not. It's about you know younger fans trying to you know get some interest. It's trying to get you know let's make the sponsors happy. That's what it's all about. No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's All-Star Weekend is sort of a, a business convention for the NBA. They take care of their partners. Um, a lot of there are owners that don't even want it in their market because their season ticket holders sort of get shoved to the side mm-hmm. as all of the um, all the suits and, and uh, corporation people, you know, come in. And that's fine, though. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's an extra it's an extra for any any team that has it. And, you know, a great sort of showcase for that market with the rest of the league. I mean, the people will be going to Indianapolis this weekend who are involved with the NBA who do their darndest to stay out of Indianapolis during most of the season. They're not, they're not excited about that place. But now it's in Indianapolis, and, um, you know, a lot of people will be there and, and get to experience what I consider to be the best NBA arena uh, in the league. Yeah. I think I think the Fieldhouse in Indianapolis is just a throwback, nostalgic kind of fun mm-hmm building yet with all the modern amenities well steve you and i are of a a certain ilk certain age where we remember things that go back a little bit and i was looking back uh, from all-star games past and things and uh today in 1986 was when uh, spud webb won the slam dunk competition and Uh, how about that was you know you just think of that you know what five foot seven of them and i i just think that was still one of the most iconic moments uh, in nba all-star game uh history your thoughts no i think you're right on that yeah. uh, kevin i mean you know for for a small guy to win that i mean unprecedented never would have thought mm-hmm. that um somebody his size should even be in the contest i mean later on we got nate robinson and that became wearisome because he would try dunks time and time and time and time again and you're falling asleep but spud webb was electric i mean that was just um you know and look yeah did he have an advantage by you know being short, well not in dunking, but certainly in the minds of the scores and the and the crowd, and that all played to his uh, you know to his benefit. So um, that was a uh, that was a fun uh, sort of episode and elevated that dunk contest, I think, yeah, um, to a point where you know it was almost the best event around All Star Weekend for a long, long time. I think the three point shooting contest has you know has matched and maybe eclipsed that because we've seen. Mm-hmm. So many dunks. I mean, there's only so much you can do against gravity. I still think, you know, my pet idea is that they should plant a seven-foot defender in front of the rim. 
So the dunkers have to actually go against the defender. And then we get to see a little bit more of what uh, of what in-game dunks are like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'd have to pay that guy a lot of money to be able to take all those poster moments. Yeah. But, um, you know, it at least would, would put a little bit of juice in the, uh, the contest versus going against, you know, a ghost uh, under the rim. Steve, thanks for taking the time this morning. I, I hope it's going to get a little busy, uh, busier for you here in the next few hours as we approach the uh, 3 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time deadline. Thanks for hopping on today. Well, I hope you have a lot of work to do today, too, then. <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't mean it like that, but, you know, it always, it's, be- it's better that when there's a few things coming in than absolutely nothing for three, four, five, six no, hours. It makes, it makes it interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Thanks, All Steve. Right, thanks Appreciate it. Me. Yeah, that's Steve Ashburner, NBA.com. And elevate your game. And, well, he said it right there, Spud Webb elevated his game back in 1986. If you get a chance... Check out the 1986 Slam Dunk competition with Spud Webb, the Atlanta Hawks. And as as, he, as Steve said, that kind of took things off in the competition back then. A long time ago, holy smokes, but uh, it was uh, a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, he elevated his game. We elevated our game. Uh, and Elevate Your Game is uh, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. When we come back... We'll have a little open text time. We'll get things rolling there. Top of the hour, Danny Salt, Frank Saravalli. That's all coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Wait a second. Wait a second, Duke. What is that? That's a, is that a fresh BA cut? Fresh BA track? I don't think we've played this one before. Well, it made me, it perked my ears up because normally I just get into the the Diana frame of mind, so to speak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what's this one? I, I, Young Lust. I don't think I've heard this one before. <laughs> Young Lust. What year does it say when you punch no, them up? I, I'd have to look it up to figure out when this wow. one came out. Young Lust by Brian Adams. Wonder if it's on the same um, album or whatever as Diana. Well, Diana wasn't on. It, it wasn't was, ever because, like, I, it's funny. We we talk about this so much, and I was like, I was like, I don't think I have that song saved in my uh, my like Spotify library. It's got to be on an when, album somewhere. Can't, I can't even listen to it on Spotify. Hmm. Well, text coming in. Uh, we got to might as well talk about Henry sending in 10 texts about saying, oh, you're adorable thinking Edmonton cares about the NBA as we just guested with Steve Ashburner, one of, like a prominent NBA writer for decades. Uh, well, thank you very much, Henry. But unfortunately, Henry, you're wrong. Basketball in our city is huge. It's right from the grassroots at the high school level and below. There are tons and tons of kids playing basketball. Take it up to the next level. At the high school level, we've had many, many players come through here that have gone on to play bigger and better things across the globe, whether it be 3x3, the Plouffe Sisters, Steve, sir, you can go down. The, the list is endless for players that come have come out of Edmonton and I guess really taken the basketball world by, state, uh, by storm in the sense that they felt that Edmonton is right up there with the quality of players that are developed and that have been playing everywhere else. 
And again, we're so lucky to have Paul Sir uh, joining the, the uh, Sports 1440 team. You heard the uh, pro- promo there. Uh, 10 to 12, Duke, on Saturdays. Paul Sir will have the basketball show. So he'll cover the NBA, but cover all levels of basketball locally, provincially. And if there's anyone that knows basketball in our city, it's Paul Sir. So unfortunately, Henry, you're a little off base when you say nobody in Edmonton cares about the NBA. Yeah, I, I think Henry's a little uh, out to lunch. And like, listen, we know as much as the next person, maybe better than the most uh, most listeners, that uh, we know that this city lives and breathes uh, hockey and especially Oilers. Like, it's is this uh, is Edmonton a sports city? I absolutely believe so. Is it a hockey city? One hundred percent. But mm-hmm. above all that, it's in an Oilers city, and we we love covering the Oilers and talking about them into the ground, but. It's the NBA trade deadline today. There's lots of stuff that could happen. We we want to give a different scope to the news sometimes and not uh, just break down, um, you know, the Oilers game from two nights ago, which I thought we did, you know, pretty thoroughly yesterday. Probably three hours of Oilers <laughs> coverage out of the four yesterday, I would say, ballpark. So, so, uh, so yes, we uh, we do love uh, mixing up the, the guests and the coverage sometimes and talk a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit of golf here coming <laughs> up at the top of the hour, uh, but then we'll still get plenty of hockey talk uh, mixed in throughout the day. Uh, of course, once we get joined by uh, David Schlemko as our kind of surprise, mm-hmm. not surprise, but guest co-host <laughs> on, a, on a Thursday. Uh, it's not a surprise as it was planned, but him and Laddie flip-flop. Yeah. So that'll be great. We'll talk about how Specs trip to Baker we got Frank Servalli. Lots, lots just more up, hockey coverage. Frank Servalli just updated his uh, trade tracker. Noah Hannafin at the top of the list now. So yeah, uh, you know we are going to cover all spectrums here. Atman says, as an Edmonton resident, basketball is awesome. It's a Canadian original sport. Henry is just well an old head. An old head. Dil- yeah. <laughs> um, Doug says. Kevin, can't really tell you how much I appreciate you, Jason, Low Tide, Jackie, all the people at 1440, sponsors, everyone after uh, hearing more cuts. And I was going to mention that coming out of Bell, it's going on to affect sports radio listeners in other cities. For old guys like me, your program is what keeps me tuned with all sports, not only in our town, but across the whole spectrum. Keep up the good uh, work. Uh, old school hockey, Doug. And again, uh, Bell Media announced like 4,800 layoffs. Uh, Again, across the country, numerous radio stations either being sold or shut down across the country. It's just, and I mean, Bell is just, they're just ravaging, ravaging what, uh, what they're, what they've accrued, what they've built in, in the sense of their media giant uh, over the years. So it's tough. Uh, Tomato Soup says, Hey, Kevin, if you're having an open text segment, the McDonald's commercial about the McRib being back is true. It's back with a vengeance. And it leaves about 20 minutes later with a vengeance. <laughs> I used to like the McRib. Well, you had a couple in here, Duke. You guys, you had one too, Don? Everyone had one, right? Every, every, we we yeah. had some brought in the, the first week they launched. I've had, uh, I didn't have one that day because I'd actually got, like the day it came out, I stopped on my way home. I've been waiting for this moment for, what is it, 10 mm-hmm. years, right? I think they said since it was last in Canada. Like, listen, I totally get why people don't like the McRib, but... That doesn't mean I can't like it. <laughs> I, I, I think it's great. Like I'll be honest, the only I I don't I like to go. I don't say this, but if I were to like order it specifically, I like to go light on the onions. I don't like quite as many onions really? 
as uh, as there is in there. And maybe I little- can honestly say I've never had one. Oh, Kev, you gotta have one. It's the McRib. Brett from Stoney says unbelievably overrated. Almost six seventy five for a McRib is insane. So is it processed? Like obviously a processed. It's a act- boneless boneless pork uh, kind of patty, I guess. Like I don't know. Uh, Jam says that the Young Lust was a Pink Floyd cover. Yeah, Did you know I, I, okay. I actually just sent him the reply. I had uh, I had no idea, and I when I during my search, so Brian Adams covered it as like a live mm-hmm. at the live in Berlin, like the Wall. I think the album was called or something. And uh, to answer your other question, yeah, Diana was not oh. included on the album. Wow, uh, but then was the B side single of on that Owen oh, Heaven was released. Which is my favorite Brian Adams song. So sorry, Henry. A lot of, of our texters are ganging up on you, but that's the way a lot of our listeners. That's the way the city feels. Basketball in our city is a big thing. NBA, uh, the f- people following the NBA, big thing. Go back to when the Raptors won. Uh, you know, five years ago. Uh, I mean. It was even in our city, you could feel, you know, everyone getting behind the Raptors, and that's on a national level. Go, go to the high school up angle again. You've seen so many great high school tournaments. We've had, you know, we had the Triprov. We've uh, just had uh, the Reb. We were talking about that Reb Invitational, and then take it to the next level at university and college in our city. Basketball is massive. Pandas are hosting, hosting nationals. nationals. It's huge. One month uh, in one month, pandas yep. will be hosting the nationals. We had Scott Edwards on numerous times this year. Yeah. So the quality of the sport is amazing. Go to the Savile Center and watch the Bears or pandas. Go to McEwen, watch the Griffins. Go to Nate, watch the Ooks. Phenomenal young basketball players. That and not only that. They're going on to be better people in our community. And, and a lot of that comes from being on a team, being uh, coachable and drawing from that atmosphere where you pull together for the greater good on the court. And what happens? That gives you that gives you lessons in life moving forward, how you pull together in business, pull together, you know, with your marriage and, you know, with your kids and everything like that. that th- these are lessons learned. So... Henry, go watch a basketball game in town. Next time there's a basketball game on TV and you're flicking through the channels, just have a quick gander. See what you think. See what you think. Like that Suns Bucks game that was on the other night, KD and Giannis Suns, going head to head. That was a great basketball game. Like those are two of the best players in the league. Kind of doing. They both had double doubles <laughs> at the end of the night. Like it was like look look for a marquee game. I'm not saying you got to watch the Pistons playing the uh, Hornets or something, but like. There's some real like the the parity in the league. I think is better than ever this year because there's no. It, it's not like the years past where it's like, well, we know the two teams are going to be in the finals. I don't think that's the case this mm-hmm. year. Nuggets are probably still the hands-on favorite, but I mean, hey, yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of good teams in both conferences to to keep tabs on down the stretch. I'm looking forward to it. How about this one from Kevlar about the McRib Duke <laughs> remains remains is the pork patty on the McRib actually pork uh, at all. Not uh, actually, is, not yeah. sure if it's pork at all. Yeah, wonder how much is really pork. This is what I will say about uh, McDonald's, which I I, I know they get um, they like they're often the butt of the joke when it comes mm-hmm. to fast food and stuff. But they and I've said this on the show before. They use all Canadian beef. They use all Canadian eggs and chicken. 
I have to think the, the, the you got to think the swine is in there. The sw- the, like the, their <laughs> McDonald's is a huge supporter of Canadian agriculture, and so I will. Uh, I honestly like I love grabbing a McDouble or a Junior Chicken on either my way home from a Tropics game late at night for a little late night supper, which will probably be tonight. Silent Ice tonight, Kevin. Is where we're oh playing. boy! But anyway, um, so I, I will never say a bad thing about McDonald's. They're they're great supporters of a big industry in Canada. Yes, I get it. I'd rather have a a, a Kubi burger from Stanichi's. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, fair. That's I'll probably a little bit maybe. Um, I w- I know what's going in there. How's that sound? I know what's going in the Kubi burger. That's fair. And Stanichi's, obviously, you know, you got the Munder sausage. You got everything. Oh, the famous Munder yes. sausage. Exactly. Uh, when we come back, top of the hour, we'll uh, check in with Danny Saul, PGA Tour caddy, tour caddy, uh, the caddy for Corey Connors. Uh, man, he's been all over the planet uh, looping. So Danny Saul from Sherwood Park will guess with us. It's the WM Phoenix Open. Is that Duke? There's that WM Phoenix. That's the official name now. I believe. Yeah, everyone still calls it waste management. Now. Yeah. Uh, that's coming up top of the hour, plus Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff, our headliner of the day at twenty at eight twenty. Before that, time now for a. Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. This Sunday, watch the Chiefs and 49ers and have great food specials throughout the game. Only at First Round, I will be down at the 104 Ave location, and it's not going to be pretty. Here is the Duke.